0: Hi everyone, I'm Kathleen Gazzola. And I'm Molly Upstill. And this is Mum's Mums Gone Gone Troppo. A tropical escape filled with laughter, candid conversations, and heartfelt stories of motherhood and the incredible lives lived in the NT. From sleepless nights, the parenthood roller coaster, and the heartwarming milestones, we'll
1: share our experiences and have the privilege to sit down with a diverse array of inspiring women, some well known and others are hidden gems. But all of them have fascinating stories to share about why they've chosen to raise their families in the magic of the tropics. Okay.
0: Did you just have to turn it down? Yeah, just making
1: sure. (laughs) You just never know. Better safe than sorry for everyone's eardrums.
0: Oh, my gosh. The final episode of 2023. Of our first year. Oh, my gosh. I could never imagine being here. What? Just thought that we'd just throw it out know. the window after a few months no I don't know <laughs> I mean I don't know what I thought I was like ah, oh, you know I guess I just didn't have any expectations yeah I just, just you know it could have been just a like a one season be. kind of thing and maybe mm-hmm. it would fizzle out I don't, that is the opposite of what's happened but Which is quite possible that it could have done but I kept to, for us it did yeah it. thank god albeit plenty of work but we've enjoyed oh it oh my gosh so much work but which is why this will be so our last fulfilling episode oh, of this year yeah i'm a bit of a cook we're chuk. done yeah i think <laughs> I'm a, we're done <laughs> stick a fork in me which I'm i think a most chuk. people are just limping to the finish line i think everybody is and you can tell because of the weather at the moment and just the irritability is that a word yes of everybody and it's just like it's, what have it's people almost been snapping there? at you? Huh? Have
1: people been snapping at no,
0: you? No, <laughs> I think just the general feeling at this time of year is people are just ready for a break and to mm-hmm. just go into Christmas food coma and I've literally just done zero. Shopping. Have a break. Um, I went to Coles today,
1: Christmas which, shopping.
0: I meant. yeah, yeah, no, I know, but I went to Coles today and it was like Christmas Eve busy at Coles. Mm. It was overwhelming. Yeah, right. It was crazy. Mm. I couldn't believe how busy it was. Here we are at the yes. end of the season. Look, listen you're, you're to us both. We're like, you're
1: definitely like limping to the end. Oh,
0: 100%. percent Your 4am And I have finished. to start a brand new job this week. Your
1: 4am finished. Oh, my God. It hasn't ended quite as well as mine. <laughs> you just wanted to back it up, make sure, see if you could do it like I did.
0: Okay. So, yeah, I did not end up as well as you did you were like yeah I'm fine I was like how I don't know how that that was a pure miracle I'm so jealous and it was so dumb of so I had Jack's Christmas party on Friday night we had a babysitter who is a good family friend and she loves looking after the boys and she's so so lovely so thank you Christine Sutherland you are a legend I know you listens yeah we went to Hotel Darwin and I had I was on those hard solos mm, which so are, I think is like five percent Maybe yeah, potentially. Or just too like I drank 15 of them. That could also be that it. Too, yeah. And then went to Wisdoms. Wizzies. And I don't know if it was just, I'm not pregnant for the first time in three years, but I was drinking vodka raspberries, like Ooh. an 18 year old. And it was sweet. Yeah. It was sweet. With those hard solos as well. You had a lot of sugar. It was so much. Yeah. Anyway, Jack and I were so sick on Saturday, and Artie was awake at 6 a.m., oh, Oscar gross. was awake at 7 a.m. Did you both get up at the same time? I made Jack get up. There yeah. was no there was a snowball's chance in hell of okay. him getting asleep in on Saturday morning. I was like, get the fuck out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> we are in this together. Yeah, literally. Eh? <laughs> anyway, so we both dragged our sorry asses and then Jack's like lying on the lounge, just so hungover. And we had to go into the city. I think that was the one thing that um got us out of the house because we had to go all the way back into the city to pick our car up. Hmm. We went to the playground, weirdly ran into Steve, and then had to drive all the way back. So at least the boys had like a decent hour outside while Jack and I sat there with our sunglasses on and had a coke. <laughs> it happens.
1: I don't think there's anything Not wrong. For a, long time.
0: With a full day of screen time if it was you need it. It was whatever. Peak screen time. Whatever. Oh no, and he had thank yeah, they both napped a long time and it was good. Like it was a really good night, but again, Sometimes you just need a laser. Hangovers day. with toddlers are, the the shit. Worst they're shit. They're so ever. shit. The worst thing ever. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, and sometime through the night, I hurt my back. And so when you came over today, I was hobbling over to the door. <laughs> I don't know how it happened. It could have been at any point through the night. And we'll leave it at that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll see where you're building to that.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're not going there. So, yeah. Um, I reckon my highlight of this year would have to be the feeling of the podcast awards but um, what a bloody fantastic weekend that was and to put Darwin on the map and, yeah, I just loved it. I love this podcast. Yeah, me too. It's been so much fun. And like,
1: I I knew when you asked me to do it, that we'd have fun. Yeah. But as you said, we just didn't have any expectations for what it is. The, my bar was low. Yeah. And so it's been pretty awesome to have, you know, people's reactions yeah. and people coming up and talking to you about certain interviews yeah. or, um, re-looking back at them. Yep. Um, yeah, it's been pretty phenomenal and blown away by the people
0: who are willing to, you know, in some cases, bear their souls for yeah. some pretty hard times. Absolutely. And not only that, but everybody who tunes in every week, shares it on their Instagram stories, shares it on their Facebook, yeah. tells their friends 100%. about it. Like we wouldn't be here without everybody cheering us on and listening every week. So we really thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Absolutely, And um, we're excited for 2024 and to see where it takes us. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Keep telling us the
1: people that you think have a good story. we
0: got a long um, list.
1: We do have a long list, but, you know, we're also running out of people who are close to us that we can rope into. Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like the address book is almost exhausted. <laughs> so we need you, dear listener, yeah, to do. help us out. <laughs> we do. Hey, I got the funniest message today, and I think that this is like the best mango madness of the year and such a good mango madness to end on because it is literally about mangoes yeah exactly so i got a message on instagram from a listener called jocelyn who said she's more than happy to share this story so during the mango season her husband her four kids and her picked six crates of mangoes from her mango farm in Berry Springs to cut up and freeze. Which is what we do, not our farm because we don't have a farm. Yeah, I was going to say, like, you, do you um, own a
1: mango we farm? We <laughs> go to, um, I think Steve found some guy on Facebook last year mm. who was like just come to my property, you can pick whatever mangoes you yeah. want, just give me money for whatever. Yeah. And then we cut up all the mangoes and freeze Could them as well. Could you say
0: good? It's awesome. You're so efficient. You do that with like cows and sheep as well, hey. Not physically ourselves, we go through a butcher. Yeah. <laughs> we just come to our <laughs>
1: farm and get our sheep and our... <laughs> Organise through a butcher. Yes, we go wholesale.
0: That's amazing. I reckon that's awesome that it you do saves dinner. a lot of money.
1: Does it actually? I mean, yeah. In a broader scheme. Like, it's, it's expensive to start off with, but um, then you we're not having hey. to... Yeah, but then you're not having to buy meat at Does your Chance weekly you get shop. get the
0: bones? Yeah. How good. Yeah. Hmm maybe i need to start to do that i'm so unorganized anyway i don't do it steve organizes it all (laughs) yes that's good It takes the mental load off you exactly yeah um so she got six crates of mangoes from the farm for us to cut up and freeze my husband was away when they all ripened so i had the fun task of cutting them up and bagging them for the chest freezer in their shed i estimate it took her 12 hours in total. That's a long time. I
1: think Steve probably with our
0: mangoes this year took a couple of days, like a couple oh, of hours. God, yeah. no. Mm. Last week, there was a lightning strike that fried our electric gate mechanism. Un- unknowingly, it also cut the power to the shed freezer. The thought out mangoes were discovered yesterday. Green and off. But not a big deal in the scheme of life, but I cried so many tears today over stupid mangoes. Anyway, I had to share my bad day. Jocelyn, honey, we've all been there. I mean, not personally. I've never spent 12 hours cutting up mangoes, but like in this heat and at this time of year to have 12 hours of
1: work. And when the freezer goes off.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. But not only is the she sent me some photos of the freezer that what is in there like that's a lot of stuff that went to waste Mm. and then I said oh mate I feel for you I just think of all the smoothies and mango margaritas that could have been and "And then she said I figure sharing my loss might help other help others through something similar I can't even bear to look at the carnage my husband is going to have to deal with it he was away fishing for the week hence why I didn't pick up that the shed power had tripped I hope she left it left it for him to clean I think yeah yeah she did Make she's cleaners. like that <laughs> and I said oh I there lost I um we lost some um, air cons last year but insurance covered that I don't think insurance is going to cover your 12 hours yeah. of mango so Jocelyn
1: we feel yeah we feel for we ya. do
0: that is like a sin call the police mm, seriously wow. oh, what a waste of mangoes bloody
1: lightnings hey
0: life in the top end in the wet season mm-hmm. not cool not cool well Let's crack on with this week's episode. Thank you again, everybody, for being here with us. Um, and um, I we seriously this, can't wait till next year.
1: Yeah, we thought this was an uh, excellent person to end our season on. Oh,
0: my God. She's amazing. I love her.
1: Yeah, Molly fangirls a I lot did. in
0: this I was like you with Tracy Hayes. I mean, yeah. I love Tracy Hayes, but like with Vicky, I was like you were with Tracy.
1: <laughs> yeah, Tracy's <laughs> interviewed probably, I think. Yeah, my favorite.
0: Yeah, she's amazing. Anyway, on to this week's guest. Vicky O'Halloran is a former administrator of the Northern Territory. Stylish and sophisticated is an understatement for a woman who worked her way up the ranks from early education to being the long-standing CEO of Somerville.
1: She has sat on multiple boards working towards making the Northern Territory the best place it can possibly be. She's met the Queen, she married her childhood sweetheart, she's got a green thumb with a plot in the Darwin Botanic Gardens, but her biggest job of all is being a mum and sharing a beautiful bond with her daughter Coco. Please welcome Vicky. Vicky O'Halloran, thank you for joining us. I'm happy to be here, I (laughs) think. (laughs) Our final
0: interview of the year, I think we started on high with Katie Wolfe and we're like finishing right there with it it as well. So thank you so
2: much for joining us. Thanks. Look, I'm really happy to be here and, um, yeah, I think – your series and your podcasts are amazing. Well, Stop it.
0: Stop <laughs> it. sitting here blushing. <laughs> I know, me too. Um, can I also just say that at the moment I'm having a real love on Instagram of like older women who just ha- are oozing style and you have walked in wearing platform <laughs> Crocs. White Crocs. A denim dress. You have Beautifully manicured fingernails. Your makeup is done. Your glasses are done. I mean, your hair is always immaculate. Can't relate. I did put a straightener through my Lord Farquaad haircut this morning. You look gorgeous, Molly. Stop it. You would have to be one of the most stylish women I have ever come across. I'm I giving you the side eye. Yes, I know.
1: But tell me Flirting. I'm wrong. You obviously
2: enjoy fashion and and dressing up. I love fashion. I um, was a late mistake or late surprise. My my parents said after four boys, and yeah, my parents were always dressed up to go anywhere mm-hmm. shoes were shiny and fully tailored so some of that's obviously rubbed off somewhere along the line
0: oh i just think you look you know people that just so have fab. that style and they just effortless effortless but you just look so put together and i'm like if i wore crocs in a denim dress people would be like why why <laughs> Like, stop trying
1: so hard. You would, would get that at home as you walk out the door and Jack would be like, Molly, what are you wearing? And then just automatically cuts you down, right? I know. Steve goes, is that a new dress? Ah, oh, it's a couple of weeks old. I just have left it at the back of the cupboard, cupboard with radiance. the tag on so you didn't see it. Well,
2: sometimes <laughs> Craig even buys me the frocks. He's a good shopper. Oh, good on wow. him. Yeah. Well, he's yeah. quite stylish too. Yeah, I think so. Mm. Yeah. Ooh. Is that him or you? I know him. Definitely. <laughs> Usually, we all know who's pushing. the Well, maybe well or trained home. after yeah. a few years. Yeah, good point. I think it's, what is it? I was thinking this morning. In case you asked me this question, I better know. But we started hanging out in '79, which means 44 years together, and then we married oh, yes. up here at St Mary's in 1993, so 30 years of marriage. Oh my so gosh! I thought I would better do the Psalms in case you mentioned that. Don't worry, we're not going to make you do any Psalms because both <laughs> of You're us are terrible
0: We just bad, sort of so. look and yeah. Well, yeah, don't even ask I would love me about to get geography into
1: that story as well. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) But I suppose let's start where we always do, Vicky. Tell us your mum's stats.
2: Okay, so mum to one daughter, uh, Coco, who's 23.
1: And she's in Melbourne, you said?
2: Yes, yes. So as you know, Coco um, grew up here in Darwin and then decided she wanted to go to university in Melbourne. And uh, when she completed university, she started work there and she's um, been working for about 18 months now, premiering cabinet in Melbourne. Wow. Really enjoying life and... She loves animals, so she seems to be permanently house-sitting at somebody else's place looking after a dog or a cat and uh, <laughs> that's how she gets her fill, I think. Oh,
1: fab. Did you ever think that she would come back to Darwin or you thought mm, she's going to be a big city girl?
2: Oh, no, I live in hope that she'll she'll <laughs> come Definitely home all. eventually and, um, yeah, and make this a home with maybe a few acres and some animals. But uh, it might be wishful thinking, but I don't think so. Yeah.
0: Yep, fair enough. Um, Coco is an interesting
2: name. Is it after Coco Chanel or where did you get the name Coco? I think it was probably the late 80s, Craig and I. Oh, sorry, mid 80s. Craig and I were in Thailand and we'd been on the beach all day and walking up to get something to eat. And I really remember the moment of walking up this hill, looking up, there were palm trees, it was a great sunset and we were talking about, as you do at that age, whether we'll have children and yeah. what our future holds. And. And we had that discussion, what do you think we'd call our first child and do we want a son or daughter? And I know when you're expecting a child, you say, look, we don't mind as long as they're healthy. Yeah. But we wanted a daughter. Wow. (laughs) And we said, what do you think we'll call her? And we both said Coco. And at the time it was Coco Laurent, and I'm not quite sure how that came about. But just before Coco came along, um, we thought, no, no, not Coco Laurent. And we went to Coco Mia. And I think it was because we were surrounded by coconuts and in a tropical setting, to be honest with you. I love, I that. love that. That
0: is beautiful. And Coco is adopted. Where did Coco, Where
2: did you adopt Coco from? Uh, from South Korea. So we both travelled to South Korea and adopted Coco at uh, four months of age. And we always used to say that, you know, our, our wedding day was the best day of our lives. But, look, the moment we met Coco, it was just surpassed um to the nth degree it was just the most beautiful moment ever
0: what were some of the emotions oh my god because i imagine that you <laughs> got go right into the, like the process of yeah. adoption is quite drawn out and then the feeling of being there and holding this baby
2: yes i i suppose it's like a pregnancy there are so many mixed emotions. and uh, mixed emotions So we had um, only 11-month process, as it turns out. But I think that's because we were so diligent, like a form would come to fill out or there would be another part of the process by way of an interview and we would stay up all night. We just wanted um, so much to meet this child that was going to be ours for the rest of our life that we did everything we could to make it happen in a timely manner. So from start to finish... Eleven months, and then travelled to South Korea, and yes, just overwhelming emotions. That first feed oh. with Craig and I and um, Coco together, and we've practically never been apart since. We're still joined at the hip, even though she's living That's in Melbourne. So beautiful, yeah. She's uh, yeah. She's certainly our best friend, and she's the best daughter you could ever imagine. And oh. a little territory girl too. You were saying I before know. she loves fishing, and she does. I think she's one of the only people I know who can go. Fishing, catch a fish, cook it, and honestly the only thing that's left are the bones. She eats the eyes. Um yeah. My dad eats the eyes of a My fish yes. too. I would get along well. Yep. Yes, yes. Nibbles on the fins and yeah, loves fishing, loves the outdoors. You're very much a territory girl. Oh, I love that.
1: Can I ask why what made you get to the adoption part? Was there another backstory to that?
2: Look, the backstory to that is my eldest brother, Peter, his fourth daughter, Senea, was adopted and we spent a lot of time with Senea over the years babysitting and she was beautiful and I think we'd always known, um, even when we first started going out, that we'd adopt and we had a conversation one evening about adoption first or biological child first and said, no, let's adopt first and um, biological child can come second. Well, along came Coco and she filled our hearts and we never, ever wanted another child. We check in. I was 36, Craig was 38. So we sort of check in every year thinking, oh gosh, I'm 40 now. Are you sure? I'm sure. You sure? I'm sure. And um, yeah, that's our story. So there's the three of us. I love
1: that. Meant to be. Yeah, that's meant to be, absolutely. She was just it.
2: Oh, she she was and still is. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, she's just beautiful on the inside and out, I have to say, and oh, uh, we're just so very proud of her. We must have done something right along the way. 100%. Oh, I think you've done yeah. lots of things right, Vicky O'Halloran.
1: So can we go back to the start? Yeah, I was just about to Tasmania. say that. And you mentioned that, um, you know, you said about your parents were always very well-dressed and shoes-polished and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Dad always said that about Mum because she was from Tasmania, I suppose. Like it's obviously a bit of a still conservative or quite I don't know proper kind of realm, or it was certainly, I think back when she was a kid. And to the point that it used to be the thing when you go on a plane, you'd be you'd be best in your best gear, right oh, It was sure. a bit of a luxury. And so when I was growing up, whenever we'd have to get on a plane, we would be well dressed and comfortable that wow. even now mm. still, I'm not even dressed in my most comfortable gear to get on a plane mm. either. And I think it's just the fact that mum kind of instilled that in there.
2: Yeah, the plane thing's interesting because you're right. Um, my parents would often be on a plane and end up coming off with a bottle of champagne or bottle of wine because somebody thought it was a special occasion for them, <laughs> them or just thought in their senior years they just looked so cute, I think. <laughs> and uh, But yes, look, we we didn't have much. We grew up in you know, a small house and um, um, Dad grew the vegetables and um, we had fruit trees, Mum pickled everything, but we had a lot of love Mm. and there was an expectation that we were dressed well and, um, and as you mentioned and I have too, that your shoes were, you know, clean and... Yeah, so it I don't know, it just follows you on your life journey, Mm -hmm. I think. Maybe it was going to the mainland and it was such a big deal, like to go to the mainland when you're from Tasmania. (laughs) And look, some people say, why would you? Because they're, you know, so engrossed in their life there and it's a beautiful lifestyle. But, yeah, so I grew up in a small town on the north-west coast of um, Tasmania and uh, with four brothers, so they were naughty and nice sometimes. But, yeah, I really loving household and, um, yeah, my mother had the best garden and we were very close. I I suppose after four boys you become very close Mm -hmm. with your your mum but I was close with Dad as well. I think back now to the fact that they travelled to the Northern Territory in the 87, they sold the family home and travelled around Australia and fell in love with Darwin. My brother had been a hairdresser here since the early 80s. Oh, right. So they'd reconnected with him and they lived on the Esplanade for a while in an apartment. And then when Karama was a new suburb, they bought a, um, ended up in a unit there and stayed there and, until they passed oh, away, wow. actually. Oh, Yeah, okay. Yeah. Karama. Yeah, in Karama. It was just magnificent. They lived... Pretty well opposite the shopping centre. Yeah. And the shopping centre had the library, their P.O. box, the hairdresser, the butcher, Everything the baker they needed. Chemist. It was just, yeah, yeah. A magic place for them. And um they really enjoyed their retirement years. And we did a lot of camping and sort of travelling down the track, um, Craig and I and Mum and Dad before Coco was born. And then Coco spent a lot of time there as a little one with my with my mum and dad and Mum would let her do anything and everything actually. we used to go out there, it was sort of one of those cream brick places. But Mum would let her paint the walls and all of the things that we <laughs> weren't allowed good. to do and you know, bake anything yep. and everything. And yeah, they were besties too. Oh,
1: I love that. And so Craig was your childhood sweetheart.
2: Yes, yes. I suppose, you know, good Tasmanian story. We our families knew so, no, <laughs> <we're> not. <laughs> not related. No, we don't think so, no we're not. Not related. And um yeah, so Craig went to the Catholic school, I went to the local state school and then in year seven um, was one high school. So we yeah got to know each other a bit more there. And yes, I started going out with Craig when I was in year 10. Fab. Yes, um, I was 15.
1: Yeah,
2: I love that. And um, yeah, fell head over heels in love with him and still love him the same way today. He's gorgeous. <laughs> oh, bless. <laughs> Good husband, great dad.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful. Did you follow your parents up here or it was just always kind of on the agenda?
2: Yes, look, they'd been, uh, my parents had been here in Darwin for 12 months and Craig and I came for Christmas in 1988 and um, we went home and thought, wow, Darwin's a great place. And I was missing my mum and dad, I must admit. And Craig had a great relationship with my mum and dad Him and my dad were best mates and my mum you know thought he was the best thing since sliced bread which was good (laughs) yeah always helps (laughs) always helps so we decided when we went home to sell everything up and come and live here for a few years and that was in 1989 on Boxing Day and um, we've never left 34 years later Wow. Yeah. And did you study
0: up here? What what was the first sort of role that you had? Because I mean, anyone that doesn't know you, you ha- you have recently stepped down as the administrator of the Northern Territory. Mm-hmm. What sort of career did you have to get
2: that role? Right. Well, my first uh, role when I came to Darwin was working as a receptionist at Cridland's Lawyers. So I'd been uh, the director of a childcare centre in Tasmania and had studied um, early childhood education. But I just wanted a break from it, so I went for this job at Cridland's, and I really, really wanted it. And I got the phone call to say I had the had the position, and I was so excited. And I thought I'd go there for maybe six months, just while I was finding my feet here in Darwin and getting to know people. And I stayed three years to the day. And then I moved um, out back into the early childhood industry and started to study um, my Bachelor of Children's Services at North, NTU, Northern Territory yeah. University at that time, and went to work at uh, Somerville Community Services. And they had four childcare centres, uh, Grey, Driver, Mitchell Street and Rapid Creek Childcare Centre. And I managed those then I just moved into different roles at Somerville. I was um, overseeing their family and children's services, their financial counselling services, their disability services as the deputy director. And then when the CEO's role became available in the mid-90s, I applied for that role and uh, ended up as the CEO for many years thereafter. But I think the benefit for me in that role was that I had a terrific board They really understood good governance and they allowed me to, I suppose, specialise in governance, which meant that um, board opportunities came my way. And it could be everything from being the Chair of the Territory Housing Appeals Board to being on the Urban Planning Advisory Committee, um, the Water Safety Advisory Council. So I never aligned myself with just the fields that I was directly working in but very quickly um, determined that I wanted to be involved more broadly in community. So you get to network broadly then and understand everything from the seafood industry through to the date industry or the architectural industry, not as an expert in in any way, but as somebody who was interested in ensuring good governance was in place.
0: And do you think that... Um, it was Darwin that was driving that community spirit for you. Do you think that you would have been the same if you had have lived somewhere like Tassie that, you know,
2: your love of Darwin came through in these roles Absolutely. I don't think this would have occurred anywhere else in the world for that matter. I think Darwin embraced Craig and I. We just felt that people wrapped their arms around us when we arrived. They wanted to be our friends. And um, as we were you know, buying our first little unit and then our house, people help you out. And um, and really, I had so many mentors to be honest with you, some of those mentors probably didn't know they were mentors. I was probably stalking them from afar, but watching the way they conducted yeah. themselves, their commitment to community, their commitment to their staff and their their roles. And Can you thinking, name drop someone? Yes, yes. I could probably name drop a couple. Chris Tudor was one. Chris Tudor was the, he used to call himself the headmaster, <laughs> not the principal of uh, St. Philip's College in Alice Springs. I um, always thought that Chris worked respectfully and inclusively and uh, but he was his own person and I really admired that with Chris I thought his interactions with the students the teachers and the community were were really special And, of course, uh, Austin Ash, Mm. um, who's still a mentor today. You can still ring Austin with a query or a challenge or a chat and feel so much better or have a a cup of tea with him in the late afternoon and come away. Um, Yeah, just feeling like you've got a sense of direction about something you might have been worried about or concerned about or you just need to sit down and become a little bit more grounded about life because he certainly puts it into perspective. Yeah, Mm. Dad
1: says the world of Austin as well, constantly always suggesting him for someone to talk to or, um, yeah, the history of the place as well and anything and everything.
2: He was 98 last week. We had the oh, best an conversation and mm. there's always laughter and there's always discerning moments while you're listening deeply to his experiences and views of the world and, yeah, so I've been very lucky.
0: Wow. <laughs> and is a mentor something that you think everybody should have?
2: Yes, in their own way. Mentors for me have been people I might have a cup of tea with and, um, people that'll always go along to something that um, they might be presenting um, at or people that I've worked with and yes enjoy spending time with all those people as I've said, I've just watched their career journeys and have yeah. a, there hasn't ever been anything official. You've just become friends or acquaintances and um, yeah, I've been very observant of um, the way that they relate to people. I'm
0: having a big blue car theory moment at the moment. You? you know, when you like someone says, Oh, you, you know, I, I bought this car and you've never noticed the car. And then it's called blue car theory. And you, all of a sudden, you're noticing all the blue cars everywhere. And I feel like I'm at a bit of a, I don't know, we were talking about this off air between Kathleen and I just before you arrived. And I don't know, just the mentor thing. And you like, you just relate to so many people who, Like, am I hearing this for a reason? Does it mean I need to take this way? Like, you know, I I like to think Brad Morgan is a big mentor of mine and I call him for advice and he probably doesn't even know it, to be honest with you. (laughs) He does now. I love that blue car theory and thinking
2: about how it, I don't know, Anyway, it probably leads to manifesting things too. Oh,
0: do you manifest? It? Well, I didn't think that I did, but until I did you heard me talking about manifesting, yes, and I do manifest. <laughs> and look, it works. You don't just sit there and imagine it. Right, you have no. to do the work to make it happen. But yes,
2: uh, yeah, I I love that you do. Man, what do you? What did you manifest? Oh, I manifest lots of things where I want to go on my next holiday, and uh, sometimes that pays off. And I manifest being in. Melbourne with Coco and walking down leafy streets and smelling flowers. And and even though that's going to happen because I book an airfare, when I am walking down the leaf, leafy street and smelling far too many flowers as far as Coco is concerned, <laughs> she's rolling her eyes. I think, oh, I manifested this. I or on that. a beach in Bali collecting shells. And I think, oh, just keep manifesting because yeah. this is what I love to do.
1: Yeah. Oh. Did you have a plan for your career and how it came about?
2: No, no plan at all. And I was certainly not ambitious at all, I don't think, in the beginning. Later on, when people used to ask me if I was ambitious, I would say no. But then I'd reflect on, do I still want to be the boss or would I be happy not being in a role of decision-making? And I thought, I think I've become used to decision-making now. So maybe I have been ambitious and haven't realised it, but I don't think I've been outwardly ambitious. And so, what was that moment when
1: you were asked to be the administrator? Can you tell? Did you just get a phone call from the government? Is that how it works? Yeah, and how does it work? To do that,
2: I was invited to a meeting, and at the time, I was chairing or a part of, and a part of, I should say, nine different boards or councils. <sighs> and I thought, no. <laughs> how do you more. have I'm, the time? <laughs> I'm, I'm actually going to address this. I decided a couple of weeks earlier. I want to spend more time at the hockey with Coco. I'm going to get down to yeah, about five. And um, so I'm thinking it doesn't matter what they asked me today. It's no, it's no, it's no, it's definitely <laughs> no. So you're often sitting at a table looking at that beautiful view and waiting for somebody. And uh, then when uh, they said, oh, we're just uh, wondering if you'd like to be, I'm still thinking no, 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 <laughs> the administrator. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but then it was like, what did you just say? <laughs> and um, yeah, it was unbelievable because uh, Craig was in Alice Springs at the time, Coco was at school. Um, they said, look, you probably want to think about this for a little while. And I think, no, I think I'll be fine. You probably want to have a chat with Craig. Oh, I'm sure he'll be okay. <laughs> and then going back to sit in the car and I had this very physical reaction. It was like I'd swallowed a bee, just this really hot buzzing feeling all the way from my throat down to my tummy and then back up again. And I just couldn't be present. And I rang Craig and said, I've just had a meeting and this is what's happened. And he was like... Really? Oh, okay. And uh, I had to go to a meeting or whatever it was at the time and then waited for Coco to get home. So we had a fairly emotional moment at at home and one of my best best friends, Daphne Reed, was coming over for dinner and um, here we were very emotional knowing we had this very sort of top-notch secret. But Daphne was actually the president of the, um, Somerville at the time or the chairperson of Somerville at the time. And I was told that and I could actually. And you were still actually, CEO? Yes. Yep. But I could There were. Um, I could tell both um, Craig and Coco that this was a possibility because it's quite a process and I could certainly confide in my chair because I would need some time off. Yeah. So I think we all sat around and had a cry before we went out and had some Chinese and then it took months to sort of land that this was going to be our future for a couple of years. It was a two-year appointment at the time. And, um, yeah, a whole lot of adjustment had to take place. Coco was in Year 12. Wow. So the decision was made after the announcement that we wouldn't move into Government House until she completed her um, exams and assignments.
1: And And so what was it about the role that you were just like, oh, my God, yes. Immediately, yes.
2: I think I just admired, as I mentioned, in particular, Austin and, of course, Sally Thomas and so many other former Mm -hmm. administrators And because it was something that never crossed my mind, imagine being asked to do that. It was just, well, of course, but are you sure you're asking the right person? (laughs) Am I dreaming this? It's just not possible. Mm -hmm. And that's how, yes, I felt like I I would wake up for months and even once I became administrator I'd still wake up and think, we're living in this house. I am the administrator. And um, yeah, it's the I would most do that.
0: Beautiful property in Darwin, I reckon. Like, oh, definitely it's stunning. Mm. I love like it is. It is the epitome of Darwin. That house, I reckon, like just so tropical history, overlooking the harbour, Parliament House behind it It's one you. of those ones that is still the tradition,
1: away. I suppose, because Darwin has been destroyed several times. A lot of the the buildings mm. aren't necessarily that old colonial style that you see walking around Sydney or Melbourne yeah. or anything like that. Mm. It's, you know, it's the 80s architecture that's very mm. sterile or, you know, <laughs> like I just love that it's still, of yeah. course it's had to be rebuilt and it's not necessarily the original but I just love that it's that's traditional heritage kind of I feel agree. to it.
2: Oh yes, that eighteen seventies building is, you know, still there. And it's remarkable to think that it stood the test of time through the bombing of Darwin yeah. and, and numerous cyclones. And I think that sends a really comforting message to territorians mm. as well. Whenever Territorians are visiting Government House, they're always happy to be there and um the nice thing is they take some ownership of it. That was the one of the best roles of being administrator, having people yeah. come into the house and take some ownership and and children and families enjoying the grounds and gardens.
1: What was it that you felt
0: sorry, with no, no, your you, role you go, for? You administ- go. we both like, can we ask the next question like <laughs> both of us? <laughs>
1: um, what did you see as your main responsibility or that you wanted to fulfill when you're in that
2: role? Austin Ash said to me once I was sworn in as the administrator. Vicky, be the administrator to all territorians, not just those in the in Darwin mm. and so I took that really seriously. It was important to be out bush and to be in the lounge rooms of Of uh, people's homes to be at, you know, in childcare centres and, but also undertaking the official duties with the, you know, in, in the formal way that they should be conducted. So it was the diversity, the opportunity to do that, but to really, um, try to be relatable to Territorians. I mean, Territorians are relaxed, easygoing people, but I still think they have expectations of people in office to conduct themselves a certain way. So to find that balance, but to do it with my whole heart in it and just be Vicky O'Halloran. This is who I am. Obviously somebody thought I could do the job. That's why I was asked. I'm not quite sure how that came about. But but to yeah, just give it our all, and I say ours because um. Craig was there beside me um, all the way mm. and uh, he always has been. But it d- did take the two of us to be able to make it happen.
1: But touching on how, yeah, Territorians are so laid back and, you know, you can see your Chief Minister walking down the street and expect her to stop and actually have a chat to you, did you find that the protocol that is around such a, a high position, you're representing the Queen, so of course there's a lot of those um, structures that are expected did you find any of that kind of stifling or frustrating that you have to present it in a certain way and you have to be that very official?
2: Mm. Look, that's an interesting Question, Kathleen, because I didn't find it stifling or, or frustrating, because I thought I can do this in a way that I hope is relatable to the people, and I can undertake the duties that I've signed up for in a way that will make sure that they are done the right way, but also with warmth and kindness and mm-hmm. and good humour. And there's a time and place for everything. Sure. Yeah. So you know, I kept my manners in check. I've been, you know, I was brought up that way to be respectful and empathetic and and well mannered. So I suppose I was able to draw on a lot of that what a lot of what my parents had instilled in me, but also be the territorian that I am. And there's no doubt that some days that's that was a bit challenging. But I was just as happy making play-doh with five-year-olds or swearing in the, the next judge, because at the end of the day, we're we're all people. Yeah. We all have some days are better than others and <laughs> yeah. uh, all those good things or things might be troubling us. And we can lose sight of that when we see people in what we perceive are important mm. positions. But they, you know, the sun goes down and the tide comes in and we go off to bed and have our thoughts to ourselves. But, you know, really at the end of the day, no matter what you're doing, we are all just people with the highs and lows and the good times and the challenging times in life.
1: I think you definitely achieved that, Vicky. I think it was always definitely with a lot of warmth and relatability. I always enjoyed seeing you there and, yeah, Mm. didn't feel like it was
2: you were unapproachable or anything like
1: that. Yeah, you brought an an extra Mm. element to certain events and that
0: kind of stuff.
2: That's that's really kind of you. (laughs) (laughs) Makes me feel good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Cheers. What was it like meeting the Queen? I mean we've shared the photo of you next to the Queen wearing something that Marcia, who we interviewed oh, yes. a couple, a oh, good couple of months ago now, who mm. made that outfit for you. And what was it like meeting the Queen? Was that the most surreal moment?
2: Yes, I think it was. You're sort of in a lovely car coming up to the gates of Buckingham Palace. Like most of us, we've probably, if we've travelled to London, stood on the outside of those gates yeah. and peered through and wonder if one of the guards might make some eye contact and they never do. So when... We were Craig and I were in the back seat, and we co- were coming towards the gates. And they said um, our names, and the gates opened. It was a little girl moment. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about that. And then we met the um, Queen's lady in waiting, who asked us if, if it would be okay if we met the Queen in her private quarters. I don't know what wow. we, <laughs> what we were going to say, but of course, you know, of course, <laughs> what but, the Queen asked. <laughs> <laughs> you bet, you bet. So it was an incredible um, thrill. But it was like sitting here talking to you both today. Um, She was very interested in the Territory, obviously in Australia as a whole, um, recalled some really special times in the Territory. And I'd just been in Catherine and there were some young ladies there who knew that I was going to meet the Queen and uh, three young ladies with um, intellectual disabilities and they were showing me their dance moves and they said, would I please say hello to the Queen from them? So I was telling the Queen this story and she said to me, I can't believe this, Her Majesty actually said to me, do you think they still remember me and know who I am? I said, oh, Your Majesty, I don't think you realise how great (laughs) your profile is (laughs) and particularly in Australia and, yes, certainly in the Northern Territory. So I was able to tell the girls later that I mentioned them and their names when I was talking to Her Majesty and, yeah, they were thrilled.
1: And why was it that you were there, just for people who didn't know why you were there meeting the Queen?
2: Sure. So there was an invitation um, from Her Majesty, which uh, would normally happen to the governors in other states and the administrator of the Northern Territory as an opportunity to meet with her representative.
1: So it wasn't for a particular reason or...?
2: well, apart from the invitation to meet with her, we actually um, were there recognizing uh, one of the staff from Government House for their years of service. Oh, so we're sense. able to do to do both and that's really important.
1: That's fabulous. Yeah, wow. And did you have to have um
2: special training?
1: you know that you have to curtsy a certain way, stand a certain distance,
0: not allowed Wear to touch her or thing. say yeah.
1: anything.
2: No, not not <laughs> really. I, I think it I was. I would ask
0: for training if I had to meet. Well, the king now. I would be like, can someone please t- teach me what to do? I would be
2: terrified. <laughs> well, you can you can give us a bow or a a, a nod, and uh, so I did a little curtsy, and Craig gave the nod, which is appropriate protocol, but it wasn't uh, to the degree that we have to stand back. I suppose. Um, over many years we've seen the no touching. None of that came up. I think the, we were known well enough to know we'd be on our best behaviour. <laughs> Don't just go in there and um, give the
0: Queen a big old bear hug.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I promise I didn't do that. <laughs> but, no, it was a wonderful opportunity and, and to showcase the Northern Territory. Did you gift mm. her something? Uh, no, no, we we didn't gift each other. Uh, I think we um, the lady in waiting... Did provide us with a, uh, which is which is fairly common, uh, a photo of Her Majesty. Mm-hmm. So it was just yeah, one of the best days of our our lives in in that role, of course. Wow. And what was the palace like? Oh, absolutely ornate and spectacular and beautiful, and probably as we'd expect it to be yeah, it beautiful is, yeah. old antique furniture, and yes, high ceilings and yes, it just looked and smelt. Amazing. Yeah. I did take a little walk to the bathroom so I could. Yeah, you'd be uh, like, "I'm sorry, I just this. can I just go to the bathroom and yes. just have a little squint around." Was as you would expect, as well. was <laughs> like, like carpeted floors. Of course. And yes, <gasps> everything was 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 wonderful. Oh wow. wow, that's
0: incredible. That would be so surreal. Mm. I could not imagine doing anything like that. That is just.
2: It was wow. surreal. I still don't believe it. <laughs> How,
0: were you still in the role when she passed?
2: Yes. Yes, what, I was.
0: What was that like for you and how did your role change from then or it didn't at all? It just You just had a new, you just had a king.
2: Yes, look, it was very emotional and not just for me but for all of the staff at uh, Government House and the Administrator's Office who have served her for so long. I think we were really taken back, taken back as individuals and certainly because we were um, serving Her Majesty, but it was a very um, humbling experience because we opened Government House and there was a condolence book. and families come in and you know, to see grown men you know really quite emotional, having to sit on the steps wow. and take a moment and and for young children to write in the condolence book or draw um, pictures and send special messages to to the family. And then of course it was a very smooth transition. Um, to um, um, King Charles.
0: Yeah, well, they. I guess they've been planning for probably a long while. Mm-hmm. Yes. Operation Even London was, Bridge or whatever. When I was watching correct. the news, um, something I found super interesting and it makes total sense when you think about it, but Koshi and um, Nat had gone over and they said that they like five, six years ago, ten years ago had paid for that place mm-hmm. that they had where they had the desk set Where up. Where they for had the desk set up. They yeah. had paid for that place. I heard that interview too, years yeah. Years earlier to, in preparation for the Queen to die. And I was like, that it makes sense, right? Because you, I guess for a 96 year old woman, you kind of, or however old she was 96, 97, I guess you kind of expect it to happen. But like, imagine being the Queen, being like, oh, these people have paid for me. Like, they're just waiting for me to die. They're preparing for me to die. Yes. I think just even the outpouring globally oh. just showed while, you know,
1: Australia is obviously several hundred years old now, and we're so, a lot of people feel so separated from the royal family, whether you're a Republican or a monarchist. Mm. I think everyone can respect the amount of work that went into her. For a woman mm. who was never meant to be the monarch, she dedicated her entire life to it and always said that it was a job for life. She was going to yep. die in it, much like her father did, which. I think I mean this all just comes from my dad cuz he's a history buff always said that <laughs> um she blamed the crown for killing her father that he was wow. you know had dedicated so much life and stress and his illness she put down to that whether I'm you know talking out of school or whatever but you can always respect how dedicated she was to that role and the kind of person that she was I think is pretty incredible Mm.
2: yes I think you're right that people all around the world have watched her steadfastly for decades and thought what an amazing human being what dedication Mm. Um, to the role, whether you supported some of the decision making or not, yeah. it was like, wow, this woman has given her life, and in such a, you know, professional manner over such a long period, you know, the admiration was far and wide.
1: And wow. with the connection with the the office of the administrator, and is there that close link with the palace? And there's always correspondence, and is it that tightly? Connected, or is it through the the GG's role in Canberra?
2: No, it's direct. Wow! It's, yes, it's wow. very tight, and uh, the uh, official secretary is, um, you know, in contact um, with Buckingham Palace um, on behalf of the administrator. And sometimes there is that direct link as well.
1: Yeah, right. Oh so, when gosh. you finished in the role, was it a, a, not a hard tradi- transition? But like, did it take some adapting to go back to your old life, but I suppose it wouldn't be. It would be so different. You're now always going to be the former administrator.
2: Yes, you never give that any thought at the time, but you're right. You are always the former administrator. And for me it was five years and three months as the administrator. And um, so for Craig and I, it was about adapting. We um, sold our home, our family home. We thought, you don't look back, you go forward. And we're now living in an apartment. And, yeah, so it's you adapt to go in and you certainly adapt to come out and uh, so I miss all of the staff incredibly and um, I would miss the chef (laughs) (laughs) and he's a lovely fellow Brian I miss Brian as well but um, (laughs) but yes you go back to doing what you what you know best you know getting on with life and for us it was about spending some time with Coco in Melbourne of course after that and um, yes no it's uh, life life's good
1: was it a juggle when you were administrator with Coco finishing school? How did you manage
2: that? It worked out quite well, Kathleen, because she had finished year 12 and was going off to Melbourne University. Okay. So that freed us up as well. And she would be back and forth, of course, on, on holidays and... Um, but yes look it's always a juggle isn't it with mm. with children it's that you know i'm i'm permanently the guilty mum am i spending em- enough time am i putting in enough effort and it's been like that from day one with with me i don't know about others i think some people feel it more than others but yes i still certainly I don't think have the those mum guilt
0: ever leaves anybody who's no, a mum
2: no definitely not definitely not an, oh.
0: so i i met you first the first time i had met you was when i went to um the women in media, there was like a small branch set up for women in media. And that's where I first met you. And I remember just being, and I have ever since been in just awe of you and how you hold yourself and you're always so impeccably dressed. And, um, I just, I don't know, it just, it's hard to put into words and, you know, you, and you see women like yourself and you just go, oh, like, how do you do it all? And then sitting here and you've said, you know, you still have mum Guild, and it's like, Oh, it doesn't matter how high up or how big a role you have, you still carry the mum guilt.
2: Oh, definitely. Well, the most important thing in my life and the best job I've ever had is being a mum. Mm. So you want to do it well and um, like anything we undertake, I suppose we can only be at our best some of the time. Yeah. But, yes, my relationship with Coco is the most important thing in, in my life and I know it always will be. And, yeah, so you, you spend time thinking about it. You know, should I be doing more or should I be more present? Recently she moved house and I thought, oh, I need to be there. But, you know, she said, no, Mum, I'm fine. I'm, I'm, I've am I'm got help. But. Are you sure? Yeah, are you sure? <laughs> That's right. She probably wanted me out of the way. <laughs> but, yes, you do. It's it's a daily thought. But we speak on the phone probably two or three times a day still. Wow. And, um, and FaceTime and send notes to each other and um, – Yeah. So that makes my, makes my day, makes my life. If she's okay, we're okay. Yeah. That's, that's how we are. Yeah. She's happy and things are going well. We can achieve anything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. With the, um, adoption process, 11 months, um, when you get there, is there like a period where you have to be in like a bubble, just the three of you to create that bond?
2: Not for us, no, our bond was just immediate. Yes, the moment we set eyes on each other, it was we knew that it just melted our hearts, just looked into those eyes, and she was ours. And it's still the same. Yeah, I she never arrives in Darwin, uh, without me just going to tears at the airport. I can't, I can't not. Yeah, (laughs) I cannot. Um, I talk to myself and go, okay, hold yourself together, Vicky. She's going to walk through the doors any (laughs) moment. You will be fine. And she walks through the doors and there's my 23-year-old baby who is just the most beautiful young lady I've ever seen and she's all ours and oh I go God, to pieces, pieces <laughs> it does. I mean oh like- so and beautiful. I cuddle her so tightly she's always has to get the wings out like it's okay <laughs> mum <laughs> yeah. you, can let, you can let me go now I'm and smothering kisses and um, <laughs> yes and that hold so on to her all the way down, right down the um, and escalator and on the hold end on to her waiting Oh wait so you go
0: through to security and wait at the gate. Oh of course.
2: No, yeah. I'm I'm like the first face that everyone's going to see. She's <laughs> always down the back of the plane, so I have to see everyone that comes <laughs> off the plane. I'm like
0: And Where's... I bet you everyone's like, Hi Vicky, hi hey, Vicky, I'm wanna so, stop for yes, a hi, stop for I'm a chat?" I'm just waiting too.
2: for Coco. Keep going. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Keep going, go away. Where's my baby? <laughs> oh, <I love> that. <laughs> Everything's right with the world when we're together.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so why South Korea is it? Just that there's such a need?
2: Um, I think we chose South Korea um, based on the fact that um, my niece Seneya um, Of course was, you said that's yeah, yep. from South Korea and and um yeah, it just aligned and South Korea was a country that was open at the time.
1: And have you is it a, a process throughout Coco's life to have a connection to mm, that and to understand to her that. background?
2: Um, we all went to Korea, I think Coco was about 17, and it was for the purpose of shopping only <laughs> and eating exotic foods. And skincare so, in South Korea. Skincare. Oh, really? Mm. Yes. I can see us sitting in the markets eating, um, you chose a squid in a tank, and it comes out and it's chopped, chopped, chopped up, and the chili sauce goes on. So the tentacles are moving on your plate, and oh, you, you have the no. chopsticks, <laughs> and you're picking them up. And uh, as you're eating them, they're sort of sticking to your cheek and popping it up. We have that video of Coco and I, not her father, who opted out on this occasion, eating these half-life tentacles. And... And Koko saying, Mum, they're delicious. And I'm sort of sitting there going, Well, they're not actually, but I'm <laughs> sure, honey. I've been the one that's had to do all the roller coaster rides over mountains in Vietnam <laughs> and at Disney Worlds and you name it. And I thought, I'm not opting out on this. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> I will live to regret it. <laughs> I won't enjoy it. But yes, I'll play my part.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh! That's amazing.
2: That's, That's amazing. Yeah, I couldn't do that. No, no, I, no. Steve you can will, do. The you weird will see thing. the things that you will do for your daughter, <laughs> Mum. This roller coaster. I used to look at it and think, "No, not that one." Oh, come on, Mum. Okay. <laughs> <It> was <laughs> and was it good in the good end? It was good in the end. Uh, I think she learnt a new language from me before the end. <laughs> 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 but yes, they were thrilling times, yeah. and. Um, yeah, they are the things that when, I suppose. When you have one child as well, um, I think yeah, Coco would probably blackmail me if I had a brother or sister. I'd have somebody to go with. So come on, Mum. Yep. Yeah. Okay then. <laughs> guilt. Oh guilt gosh. would set in once yes. again.
0: <laughs> um, so you are very into your. You said before you love smelling the flowers and you love gardening. Mm. Um, has that saying that you've Always enjoyed. I mean, I you know, I I know we just spoke about how beautiful administrator the administrators house is or government house is. The gardens are immaculate. Was that anything that you ever got involved in? Or was it something that you had to be like, Oh, I wanna get in there and
2: (laughs) Yes, I love gardening. I can remember sitting on the porch of our little house in Tasmania. Mum was always gardening and I was helping her out, and when I went to ended up at Government House, of course, one of the first questions was, um, "Can I have my own vegetable patch?" And um, Dermot, who's the senior horticulturist there, said yes. He would make space for me, and um, I worked with yeah all the horticulturists there. One of the first questions: (laughs) Can I have my veggie patch? (laughs) So I had a veggie patch for the whole time I was there, and we grew a lot of chilies and basil and. Always went in the Royal Darwin show. vegetables up here, isn't it? No, no. Got to
1: do Asian. Yes. Asian. Yeah, zucchinis, a lot of
2: Asian vegetables. Yeah, your zucchinis and your tomatoes and your cucumbers and your eggplants grow mm. really well. And we had squash and beans and so, she Just yeah. got
1: to be strategic with yes, the you that do. Time and of plant year. at the
2: right time and, and yeah, apply the right – um, fertilizer. Prepare your soil, and uh, away you go. Nitrogen from the storms. Oh yes, NPK mix. Yes. yes.
0: <laughs> so, what do you do now that you're in a? How do you get your gardening? How do you get your green thumb
2: out now that you're in an apartment? We have an allotment at the Botanic Gardens.
0: Oh, oh, so. That's very former administrator of you. <laughs> I love is. the Botanic Gardens. I went on gardens. the wait list. That's where Jack and I eloped. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, oh, I fantastic. just love it. It's so beautiful. I'm not a gardener, but I love looking at gardens.
1: Oh, it's a sense of
0: peace. Yeah, I just love them. I'm, I'm really not much of a gardener. My dad is a massive gardener and I just never got the green thumb. Like we pick up the palm fronds around our house, but I've never really felt compelled. But if I will always, wherever I go to major city, I'll always go to their botanic gardens or whatever the equivalent is. And I could walk through our botanic gardens. Oh, I love them. They're so
2: beautiful. Yes. Maybe once you plant your first garden, you'll be hooked, Molly. Yeah. I think that's what happens. Well, I space. did. I
0: tried in Tassie. I tried. So I lived in Tassie for two years. Jack and I um, moved down there kind of on a whim. And um, I tried because I love the um, like the English garden look and roses and peonies, you know, the, the flowers yes. that just don't grow up here. Um, and I tried so hard to. I just, just not for me.
2: That's like i'd okay. throw the
0: seeds and then you the weeds would come through and, and i'm like oh just, just <laughs> it's just not but i would you know i'd catch the bus into the city in hobart and i would take i would walk to the bus stop and i would always walk past a particular route just so i could look at other people's gardens and the roses and the hours that they would spend in the garden i couldn't even imagine but yeah mm-hmm. it's it's beautiful well, that's good. You're admiring others. And yeah. they do take a lot of TLC. They do. Absolutely. Especially up here in the wet season when those vines, mm. yes. I hate the
1: vines. vines are tough. Yes. Yep. We are yes. oh. those in the work. garden as well. Yeah. Um, fashion. So even before you became the administrator, you always did a lot with. Uh, race day fashion as well. You always got your outfits all immaculate. Did you? Met and millinery and all that
0: created as well. Did you really? I yeah, did. You know I, did. No, I didn't know. Oh. I have mean, lived here for what seven years, so oh I gosh. probably didn't know that. it's When I was young, and I only young, had Molly. ever seen <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had only ever seen you. I mean, immaculately dressed. Yeah, for a the administrator
1: finalist in fashions on the field. Oh, oh my god! You have such
2: a good memory. <laughs> I've <I'd> forgotten that. <laughs> Yeah, thanks to real Cloth in those yes. days. Oh, I used to go to real Cloth and get yes. great outfits. And, um, yeah, Rhonda was always into you know, dressing me up and, uh, yeah, I loved that. I must admit it sort of came about by accident, I think, in the beginning. Oh, really? Just wearing an outfit and yep. ending up, up there on, on stage. And, um, yes, I think I quietly enjoyed it thereafter <laughs> for a few years yeah I think I think Coco would do, say really? are you coming home with the sash today and I think oh no pressure <laughs> <laughs> had a girl moment for a while <laughs> and so how would you pick
1: your fashion or when what is it that get, draws you to a particular outfit or your style
2: well that's a good question probably fairly classic I uh, excuse the Crocs today.
0: <laughs> I don't know, I reckon you look amazing. I am like literally haven't stopped looking at them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they are mega crush um Crocs. I was they going are to say platform. clogs because they're pss- clogs, Huge. clogs. <laughs> <laughs> Crocs. But um yeah, I think fairly classic often um block colors mm-hmm. even though I do love the um lot of the fabrics that we have here in the Northern Territory, but um yeah, I don't know that I can describe it. To be honest with you, I just see something and I, and I like it. But I probably be, these days more dress down than dress up, fairly plain, and <laughs> not too much jewelry. To be honest. Yeah.
1: And so, what have you done with all your outfits that you got created when you're administrator? Because you would get a lot of fabrics and get them made. I mean, obviously, Marcia was telling us about that. That was yes. a very intentional to showcase territory artists. Yes, it, yes, it was,
2: and and Marcia was fantastic she's amazing isn't she actually
0: when I was getting that dress made that I wore to that wedding at the end of last year there was this beautiful um batik sitting on the table there and I was like oh this is so nice and she's like don't tell anyone that's for Vicky O'Halloran and I was like of course it is and then I saw you wearing it at Anzac Day only what four months later and I was like I
2: don't know where that dress
0: is from.
2: <laughs> I think we crafted that from a um, Bali sarong, actually. Yeah, yeah
0: it was beautiful. Fantastic. And then you had the um, like a matching strip in the hat. Right. I'm pretty sure that you were wearing on
2: the day. Oh, Molly, I think you know more about my. I eyes. know. It's I did say me. I'm a mega fan, <laughs> so I do have them. They're all in the wardrobe at home. I think the um, the apartment that we purchased it was all about how much wardrobe space. And Marcia came to me only a few months ago and. Uh, there was an interview being undertaken I think with uh, a a morning show and asked if she could borrow some of them for people to model so they've had some use since then but (laughs) no they're just all hanging there and uh, looking fabulous in the wardrobe but I haven't been wearing them.
1: Do you think that you'll sell them or gift them or you'll just keep them as keepsakes? Well, We ask
2: Coco if she, what Aww. she wants, mm-hmm. and then yes, of course. I think when the time comes, just give them away to whoever might want them. So, does she give you tips, or wants you to wear a certain thing, or, or does she like get that? the tips off you? No, no, she's very stylish in her own right Come and uh, doesn't give me tips. But it does you say, "Oh, Mum, that looks great," or you know, I don't think she ever went through that phase of "Don't wear that, Mum." But you know? <laughs> she wasn't ever the embarrassed teenager you know, mm-hmm. that time in your teenage years where you're a bit embarrassed about your parents she was sort of like you know this is who I've got and yeah they're fine (laughs) take (laughs) them as you find them.
1: (laughs) What was your mum high and your mum low looking Mm. back when she was younger?
2: My mum high I think was always when Coco was on stage even as a little one she led the play as a dentist I think in year one and in preschool or Transition, she was the naughty um, lady beetle, and then she was taking piano lessons, and she'd be on stage at the Estedford. And there was that distance between us, her being on stage and being in the audience, that you actually felt like your heart was going to sort of. You know, felt was, just as nervous, just as nervous. Yes, but your heart was so full it could nearly burst. Mm. Like, there's my girl, yeah, up there playing moment. piano, yep. or you're saying remembering her lines, and um, and then she went on to play hockey for the Northern Territory. And I used to love both Craig and I on a Friday night would go to hockey and watch her play. And when she travelled interstate, watch her play, and just felt so proud that she was representing the the territory. And Mum Lowe's, yeah, it's just so forefront of my mind, was just terrible separation anxiety from me in, with daycare. Yeah. Even when I knew she was fine. And you had a background in daycare and you, ah. would,
0: you would probably have consoled hundreds of parents in the same.
2: Definitely, definitely. And I think that's why I knew that was right for her. It would build independence for her. And going forward, that she would make friends and not just be joined at my hip because we, we were so close. And um, But I'd always have to say goodbye and then park around the corner and Aww. have a big cry and mop wow. up the mascara and then go, you can do this, you can do this, How and long ring did the that childcare centre for? forever. I was wow. always ringing and saying, is she okay? she oh. fine? Yes, yeah, she's running around. And then I go to pick her up and she didn't want to know me. Like, I need 10 more minutes, mum. You know, oh. and you think, oh, gosh, <laughs> I spent a all day heart, feeling yeah. physically sick. And even when she was going away to university and living in college or would go away on a school trip, yeah, I'd really, really struggle. Where Just do you think that came from? I was always homesick as a child. I think mm. growing up in a small town, Um, loving parents, same house, same routine, same school, not a lot of change in my life. When um, I finished year 10, I went away to a community college in Devonport, which is an hour and a half away. (laughs) I had terrible homesickness. Yeah, right. Yes, and even remember I never went on a school trip as a child. I remember in year 6 there was a school trip and my parents had paid the money and getting to school that day thinking, I have to get on this bus. It was $14. It's a lot of money. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. And I went outside the gates and said, I can't get on the bus. Oh, goodness. And then I think in about year eight, there was another school trip and I got on the bus and it was for sport. We were heading from Smithton to Queenstown for some competitive sport and I even though I didn't travel well, I did get motion sickness. I said that I was feeling sick by the time we got to the next town, which was Winyard, and I wasn't feeling sick. But I knew they'd um, put me off the bus and contact my parents because they had to keep going. And my parents would come and pick me up and I could pretend I was sick and go home. That's the oh, only thing I could think of, wow. that, which would mean I could go home. So yeah, it was. So I think I sort of brought that into my adult life Mm. and um, hopefully, I don't think I passed it on to Coco. There were times when parting was really tough for us but, um, yes, and I'm still the same today being away from her. If everything's fine, I think we're right but if something's not quite right, it feels like she's on the other side of the world.
0: Do Mm. you think that it would would ever see you move to Melbourne or – Make that change. Or wherever
2: she settles with the family. Yes, if that's what she wanted, yes, without a second thought. We'd just keep a base here and and go to wherever she needed us to be. Mm. Absolutely.
1: I had a bit of that homesickness when I was a kid. I used to hate going to sleepovers. And when I was little, I think there was even a school camp at primary school, that dad came as one of the parent chaperones so that I would go on it. Yeah. Yes. yeah.
2: And I did that with Coco, no, like no sleepovers unless it was at our house mm-hmm. until she got to an age. I remember one family in Bayview saying, oh, she can come over. You can sleep over as well. And oh, I slept over Liz. the downstairs room. Aww. I thought, oh, how gracious were they? And um, But, yes, it took a long time to feel comfortable about that.
1: Is there anything else in your life that you've felt that aside from parenting, like has a change in your career or any other kind of change you've had that same kind of
2: level of anxiety? Oh, definitely. Yes, definitely when there's um, major change and I'm finding my feet with things and you feel you don't have that security that you have all of the knowledge. Mm. I can be a bit impatient and, um, yeah. so when I'm out of my my comfort zone. Yes, it takes me a while to adjust. There's no doubt, and I don't think that will ever leave me. All the senses become alert: the smells, the way something looks, how people make me feel. You know, that overall mm. um, well-being can be knocked for for a while. Do you
0: think you have a really um, strong listen to your gut sort of sense as well?
2: Yes. Yes, definitely and thankfully Craig really understands it so I'm always able to pull my heart out to him and yeah. he's you know 110% there with support yeah. which you know gives me strength to sort of put one foot in front of the other and and make it happen do what you need to do yeah and it always settles down but yeah it's it's a it's an unnerving feeling mm. have you gotten better at managing it sometimes yes and sometimes no mm.
0: Mm. this has
2: blown my were you like that when you first started even in the administrator role yes definitely wow yes. because uh, you know you you start with a very full calendar yeah and um so you're relying on others to ensure that everything goes the right way, yeah. And I want it to go the right way. I'm like that. You very much. It's about t- attention to detail and not disappointing people, and um, and certainly being seen to be confident and on top of things. So for a while, it probably it's not a facade, but it's certainly a um, you know the old um, duck analogy that you're paddling fast underwater and uh, looking serene (laughs) (laughs) on on top and um, you know it's just very very human I suppose Mm. but um, yeah very real for me.
1: And so talking about your marriage with Craig you were together for a very long time before you got married. Yes. Why did he just take his time to get there? (laughs)
2: <laughs> can you ask him that? <laughs> no, we were, um, yeah, you're right. We were going out together for 14 years. I think every time we would have a conversation, we always knew we'd get married. No. It wasn't as so we wouldn't. Um, we'd save some money, and it'd be, I think in our heart of hearts, it'd be like wedding, overseas trip, wedding, overseas trip, <laughs> overseas yeah. trip. And um, then, w- even when Craig proposed, I was not expecting it. I was in my blue dress with white polka dots, which I'd bought at a little pop-up shop at the old post office uh, on the corner of Smith Street and Nucky Street and uh, for about $8, I think. And I used to garden in it every weekend and we are in a little unit in Stewart Park and I was really dirty, like I had dirt all over my knees and my hands and a hat on and hat hair when I took it off to go inside. And Craig... Uh, yeah, proposed then. Them. And I've still got that dress. Oh, it's got her. holes in it everywhere, but I just can't quite. Like the territory's most stylish mm. woman. And. Yes, it wasn't stylish at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. Yes. Did you expect it? No, no, not at all. I was, I think we were getting dressed to go out later that evening. I'd put even some clothes out. I'm not sure where we are heading to, but thinking, I've just got to finish this last basket of petunias that will make the garden look fantastic and get inside. Craig's already gone inside. I need to get up and have a shower and make myself respectable. And um, yeah, so there you go.
0: Oh, Oh my gosh. What do you... (laughs) I often wonder what goes through blokes' heads when they do this sort of stuff. I'm like, you could have picked a better moment. Like, Jack was the same. I was lying on the lounge. It was the middle of the day. I had just washed my hair. So I have very curly hair. So it was frizzy. It was April. So it would have been like sort of borderline dry season, but still very humid. He's like, let's go for a walk. I was like, Jack, it's the middle of the day. Like, I'm watching. Ta- captain america like let me just have my moment with chris evans please like i don't want to go for a walk right now he's like the dogs need to go for a walk i was like jack it is like 35 degrees so anyway i got in the car after like huff. yeah i didn't even put a bra on i was wearing my home <laughs> mumu. i didn't have a hair tie i forgot a hair tie and then i f- i figured it out on the way there i was like he's gonna propose he's going to propose and lo and behold he was like oh let's just go down here and I was like I knew it and then I was like you could have picked a better day so anyway we went home after he proposed of course I was always going to say yes and I went and got a hair tie and got changed and we went and took photos at the botanic gardens and yeah I was just like why wouldn't you like could you have picked a better moment but I guess like in the moment that that's where their brain is and
1: I love that your instincts picked that up because mine did the same thing we we're on the Gilly Island so we were on a holiday and so many times prior one of his friends said I got him there, I pushed him, I constantly asked him and I was like, yeah, okay, we've been together long enough, it was about time. <laughs> um, but like every holiday they'd be like, oh, do you think Steve's going to propose? Yeah. Do you think Steve's going to propose? And I just, this one, I was like, he's not going to, it's not happening. Like was dead set, it's not but happening. But do you think deep down you knew it was? No, at all. Oh. And then we decided to go watch the sunset and have drinks around you, on the ghillies, you're riding around. Or That's whatever. Bali, isn't it? Uh, yeah, just off the yeah. coast. Um, and... I remember he was quote dressed up on island life. He's normally I mean, walking down the street in Darwin, he's usually boardies and a singlet looks yeah. very cash. He's a double plugger man too, isn't he? He is. And so he decided to dress up wearing nicer shorts and a t shirt <laughs> rather than a singlet and boardies. And I was like, This is weird. Why are you so dressed up? <laughs> oh, we're just gonna go watch the sunset and go out to dinner. So I was like, Okay. There's something happening right now. Oh. So did you have Beautiful. any you didn't have any no, intuition at all? Nothing that? at all. I nothing got you by all. surprise. I love that.
0: Absolutely. You've got to love surprises. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm it was obviously an easy yes, because you've been together for so long, you've just telling us before you're head over heels for each other. Yes, yes. It was an easy yes. I think it was yes, of
2: course I will.
0: Oh, <laughs> oh love, I love yes. that. It was wonderful.
2: And did you get married up here or in yes. Tasmania? No, we were married here in St. Mary's Church in the cathedral. And we had our reception at the Beagle at the museum. Ah, oh, that's yeah, so where I had my reception oh, did too. You? Yeah. It was wonderful. Yeah. And my brother, I didn't know this, my brother Michael had organised some fireworks down on the beach oh, as fab. well. Very that's territory. Awesome. It was amazing. That's really so good. Incredible night. Yeah, they are the
1: best of your life, aren't they? Okay, we are coming to the end of it, but oh, I already. wanted to get your favourite Mango Madness because this is a fabulous one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, my favourite mango madness. So when we were living in an elevated house in Fanny Bay, we Coco really wanted pets. She wanted a snake. She wanted lizards. She wanted rats and dogs and cats. So we said, okay, we'll get a rat. So ra- the rat came along. The rat <laughs> was called Dora and Dora had a cage. But... Really was often out of the cage with Coco. <laughs> but this night, Coco was sound asleep in bed and was sitting on one of those old Chesterfield. I love Chesterfield like- lounges, they are beautiful. Yes, it was one of those old How sort did of you keep it not getting mold? Wine coloured ones. We didn't. We just had oh, right. to keep wiping it yeah, over. Yeah. <laughs> but we're sitting there and there's this nibble nibble sort of on the. On the, my lower back and I kept thinking, I looked at Craig and I thought, no, it's not Craig. He's not sort of tickling my back. And not I, tonight, honey. I, I, <laughs> and I thought, that's strange. So I sort of put my back back into the seat and sort of tickle, tickle again. I said, Craig, there's something going on here. Looked over into the cage, no Dora, <laughs> and said, you know what? I think Dora's in the back of the couch. <laughs> and you bet. We lifted up, oh, Craig lifted up the couch and we looked underneath and here's Dora over in the corner of the couch, just sitting on enough of the wooden frame for us not to be able to reach her. So we sat back down on the couch and thought, how? And the only thing we could think to do was to start to unpick the back of it. So we unpicked all the (laughs) stitching on the back corner and sort of pulled the triangle of the corner of the back of the lounge suite up. I thought, now we have to get her out. And there was no getting her out. We were laying on the floor and trying to put little bits of cheese (laughs) and she'd come over and see us and then take off. I thought, we can't leave her in the bag. She'll probably eat the lounge suite away overnight, (laughs) nibble away. So... I'm on the back of the lounge street with a chopstick and on the end of the chopstick is a piece of string and on the end of the piece of string is a piece of cheese. So I'm hanging it over and Craig's sort of in the corner for when Dora comes out to sort of pounce. And it took us three hours. And that is no, there's no exaggerating. She would come out, grab the cheese and take off back in underneath the lounge street. They're suite. clever little things, aren't they? And I know. And I was thinking, you're kidding me. Here we are at midnight. Is that really what you were saying? <laughs> come Yeah. That's another story kind for of <laughs> another <day>, Molly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, that was definitely all about being mad after too many mangoes. And,
0: uh, <laughs> but, we, you know, we eventually, I think... Tell me at least it was the dry season and you weren't there. No, like it the wasn't sw- actually. Oh, I remember it was. That we, it.
2: Ha- we were just saying to put some Christmas decorations up. That's why I know that it wasn't. So it would have been hot. And I can also... I remember thinking she's going to be so full of all these cheese in a moment that she won't come out at all. <laughs> yeah. But I think she got so full and so sluggish it became easier to catch. <laughs> <us>. <laughs> so Never that's the Dora, so of the Dora story. And Dora <laughs> wasn't named after Dora the Explorer. Dora was named after Coco's favourite childcare worker, Dora. Oh. I know. <laughs> so that's how much she did love childcare.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Really lovely. So to wrap up. What are you doing now and what's the future for former Administrator Vicky O'Halloran?
2: Well, I'm working at Charles Darwin University and yeah, loving the challenge and all the good work that's that's happening there and really enjoying the people what I'm working What are you doing with. there? I'm the Vice President of Community Connections oh. and the university's vision is to be the most connected university in the Northern yeah. Territory, Australia and beyond. So making that happen through yeah. all sorts of um, mediums and into the future just to enjoy the beautiful lifestyle we get to have here. Do you get to work out of the new building when it opens? Ah, oh, maybe. I'll have to ask the vice chancellor oh. but at the moment. <laughs> I'm on Kasharina campus, so yeah. but I've been inside for a look a few weeks Is ago. It's beautiful. It's absolutely. It's a statement fantastic. building, isn't it? And we'll have the art gallery there too. Oh, and I'm
0: excited for this future of Darwin.
2: Yes, I am too. I think to really activate that space. Yeah, yes. it needs it. It does. It and does. You have,
1: and you think you said that if if Coco ever settles elsewhere with her, a family of her own, yes. you'd still keep a base here. So the territory is oh, always going to be a big part of your future.
2: Well, yes, it's 34 years, so we've lived here longer than we've lived anywhere else. Mm. It's where our friends are. It's what mm. we know. We yep. love the lifestyle. We're outdoors people. We don't like the cold never ever endure another winter so mm. yes you've got us for life
0: <laughs> until that. you have grandkids and i think that they pull at heartstrings more than mm. even your daughter will so let's let's can you pin imagine this. that molly is yes, that possible I, can. I think you would be a wonderful grandma when that time mm. if that time, of time comes <laughs> lots of time lots of time well thank you so much thank this you very much this has been one of my see. favorite interviews yet do you have blown me away. Thank you so much. And I'm so glad that we got to finish on a high with you on this episode. So really appreciate your time.
2: Yeah. Thank you, Molly. I, I've really appreciated it. And Kathleen, it's always um, good talking with you. I wish you all the best thank and you. have a great Christmas with your yeah, family. You too. Yes, you
0: too. All right. Like, subscribe, and we will see you sometime next year. <laughs>